Hallelujah. I'd like to uh, talk about a date that has impacted all of you guys. It's touched every single one of your lives, and it was April 1970. How many of you guys remember April 1970? It's, it's affected every single one of you. April 1970, my mom and dad for the very first time, stepped foot in Spencerport Assembly of God. Pastor Bartholomew was preaching that day. It was Easter Sunday. My dad went because he kind of felt forced to because he had beat somebody up and put him in the hospital. And uh, in order to not be sued, he said to the guy, what do I have to do to make this right? And the guy said, come to church with me on Easter Sunday. So my dad did. And that was the day my dad got saved. And that would be alone in America, a miracle. I mean, my dad was an angry, uh, he was an angry man. He, uh, he loved violence. His, his idea of fun was every weekend getting in a fight and beating somebody up. That was his idea of fun. And so he became a Christian, and that actually started a cascade effect that trickled down to us kids. So that right now you've got several of us on the upper end of the Lanaville clan who are in full-time ministry. And in your case, what happened in April 1970 affected my life and my life has touched your life. That's the way of the kingdom. The kingdom's like a seed that you plant and you think it's going to grow up and it's going to do this one little thing, but it mushrooms out. I think about the kingdom and the seed of the kingdom kind of like a nuclear bomb. You thought it was going to be this little explosion and we're all out there in the desert watching it and not realizing the full effect of what's going to happen. Every one of you have the same kind of story in your life. It's not just that you have encountered the living God. It's that encountering Him and changing in His presence, you touch other lives. Well, it was February, sometime around 1978, I had uh, been attending a place called Elam Bible Institute. I had never played basketball before, but if you were going to be there and you were going to do sports, you had to do either ping pong or basketball, so I chose basketball. It seemed a little bit more manly, although you did have to wear shorts. Um, and a young man by the name of Mark Johansson took me aside and said, you know, you're not a ball player. And he was right. But he said, I can help you. And he gave me one shot. I only had one shot. The whole time I was at Elam, I had one shot. He said, go to that spot. Make sure you can hit anything from that spot. And you just get there and we'll get you the ball. And we would play ball. But I, would, I was an angry man like my dad, much like him. And I can remember getting angry at the referee for a bad call. And this guy from Elam, he was the dean of students at the time, he came out on the court and he put his arm around me and he said, Chris, this court is not the world. And I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What in the world does that mean? It took me some years to come to understand that what he was saying to me was, don't treat the little things you're dealing with like it's as big as the world. The world is much bigger. And one of the things I love about Brother Johansson and Sister Johansson is their heart for the world over all of these years. And whether you know it or not, the impact that they have had upon my life and my wife's life, my children's life, ultimately has cascaded down to you. So you have been as impacted by them as we have. They have continued to invest into the kingdom. Um, I, I say to people all the time, I, I love what we are about. I love the people that God has put in leadership over us. I love Elam Fellowship, of which we are a part. But I got to tell you, there was a generation that came through Elam that I believe God uniquely gifted and anointed. And this couple is one of them. They're like statesmen and stateswomen in the kingdom of God. And we would not be who we are were it not for the investment that they have made and continue to make in our lives 
and in the kingdom of God. Uh, here is a couple, I mean, they're, forgive me, but they're not getting any younger. But just this year, trips around the world. You get back, you go again. Why? Because the world needs the seed of the kingdom, which is an eternal seed that cannot be destroyed. And if you plant that seed around the world, it will make a difference. It will make a bigger difference in politics. It will make a difference that changes lives. And that's what this couple has been about. They carry a heart for the world. But one of the things that I most love about them is that Karen and I were dating and uh, looking forward to our wedding date. And uh, Karen's parents had gone away. And I love the fact that this couple, who probably were very busy, had other things to do, just kind of took us under their wing and invited us, invited us into their house for breakfast and just continued to love us. Even though I was a simple farm boy from Waterloo, New York, who didn't have a whole lot going for me, but somehow the thing I loved the most about them is that they believed in and called out the best in people, that which God had deposited in them. They, over the years, I've watched people walk away hurt and angry, and I've watched them pursue them, say, we're not willing to give up relationship because of this. And I love the fact that though they have vision and they're going after it, even at their age, they're going after it. They've not left people behind. They take people with them. So you today have the privilege of having one of the dearest couples in our lives here with you today, a man and a woman who have been instrumental in our lives and in the life of Elam Bible Institute, now Elam Bible Institute in college, in the life of Elam Fellowship. He's an elder of Elam. He's been a past president of EBINC. He has touched so many different lives, including many who are in this room. At one point, I think I counted, and there were like 50 folks in this church who had been touched by Elam Bible Institute in college in some way, whether part-time courses or maybe you went full-time. Lives that have been touched directly and indirectly through this couple. And so we honor them. We're grateful that they would be with us today. There's so many places they could be, but they chose to be here today, feeling that that was the mind of the Lord. And when we're done, we'll go over and we will see my mother-in-law, who, you know, at her age, isn't all there. She, she still continues to find joy in life. She laughs at my jokes. Uh, but, well, she laughs at me, I should say. Um, but they're going to go and visit her because they have been friends for years. And that's one of the things I love about them. You don't forget your friends. So, as Brother Paul and Sister Gloria come, I'm going to ask if you would stand and just honor them by recognizing the gift that they are to us as a body here over all these years. Would you please honor them? Thank you. Uh, it, this just brought back a lot of memories to me because uh, we returned from Africa in uh, 1969 uh, after a little over 11, uh, 10 years being there on the field. And uh, when we were coming through Switzerland, we met, I think it was Costa Dare and David Edwards uh, and Carlton uh, uh, on the train. We were going up to the Alps just so we could see them uh, on our way back. And then uh, we... Uh, Thought we were going to just, you know, go back to get some more studies and then return to Kenya, but the Lord had other plans. And uh, but that's when we met the Edwards, and uh, and then shortly after, of course, Chris and and his family, his uh, brother, sister, and brother-in-law, and some of the others. And so we've been blessed, and we've been blessed by being in in this church too. And you know, I love the name because it's family. It's a family church, and you can tell. Uh, and we're honored, really, to be here today and just to, you know, renew friendships. And uh, I, I wanted to tell you what the Lord shared with me. Uh, about uh, five or six years ago, Paul was going to China. It was in February. And uh, uh, I, I said to him, you know, what am I going to do, you know? And um, 
I, I didn't feel to go. I'm not, I don't really like to get on planes for one thing anymore, although I've done plenty of them. But um, so he said, well, you know, it's time to get the taxes ready and all that stuff. So I said, okay. And it seemed like I could have gone to New York City. I could have gone to Florida where our, our daughter and son-in-law and, and uh, the kid, the two of our, our grandsons live. But I stayed home. And God really met me. I mean, I started to go through some files, and though this one article wasn't uh, really uh, saying all that I want to tell you right now, but this was the, the, the nugget of it, and that has kept me since then. Now, up to five years, I had such a longing to be back at Elam. You know, we'd been there. We met at Elam. I mean, we are the class of 1956. We started in 19... Uh, 53. I'm from Michigan. He's from uh, New York City, and a new, uh, you know, a Michigander meeting a New Yorker, and a, uh, you know, New Yorker all the way through. It was quite a shock. Uh, but anyhow, we made it almost 63 years now. So, yes, yes, yeah. I, you know, I didn't know we, we, we could do it, you know, in those beginning years. I thought, he is so different from me. I'm afraid of everything, and he's afraid of nothing, you know. So, but anyhow, so he goes on the trip, and I'm left. And the next day, I'm going through files, you know, getting things out ready for the taxes and everything. And I read this article, and this is what the Lord said. And, and I feel it goes along with what's happening, even the songs that we sang today. And uh, because I don't like to be alone, come from a big family of eight children, oldest of, uh, of six girls. Uh, there were two older brothers and six girls. Only four of us left now. I'm the oldest of them, so I told them they got to, you know, not bow down to me, but I'm their, their <laughs> oldest. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, this is what the Lord said. Loneliness is not the absence of people. Loneliness is the absence of connection. And, um, and this is what the Lord said, because I had said, oh, I could only be back at Elam, you know. But the thing was, it wasn't Elam, you know, we're back there right now, you know, and, and it's strange to us, but it's the people. And that's what I was really feeling connected, and up at that point, you know, the longing had been there for about five years, and then the, when the Lord spoke to me that, I said, you know what, I, we're now in Virginia, and Virginia is my home. And, and I thanked him because I had made already, of course, in five years, you'd think you'd make some, but they, I mean, those people, of course, our son was a pastor uh, at the time. He's now set, stepped down. But, you know, it was just God connected me with people down there. And not that I'm not connected up here. I am. I feel, you know, when Cam was so excited to see so many uh, of, of a lot of you that we, we know, but especially the Lonnievilles and and uh, Schultz's and some of the others. I can't remember all your names. Uh, but um, it's connections that you make, that you make all along the, the way. And when Paul just came back just about not even a month ago from Kenya, went out for the funeral of a dear African brethren of ours, and when he came back, we were just so overwhelmed with the stories and, and just all that had happened in the week that he had been out there. Mark, our son, went out with him. And we are at the age, yes, we are older. We're both in our 80s now. But God has allowed us to live long enough that we can look back and see the fruit of our labor. And it's because we're connected and because we, you know, uh, we, we've been able to minister, and, and people have ministered to us. It's not, it's not a one-way street at all. But when you're connected, you know, you just receive from one another. And that's really what's happening. So don't despise when there's just a few of you, or there's a lot of you. Connect with people. The smile. Just I, I heard T.D. Jakes last week, and I just have to pass this on. I didn't plan on it, but he helped me so much. Because, you know, when they get older, you know, the Bible does say the older women are to teach the younger women. But, you know, in this generation, a lot of the younger women, they get everything from their cell phones. I mean, I, I see it everywhere. So I think, wow, I, I wonder why we have that scripture. But T.D. Jake said, and just bless me so much, and it'll bless some of you older ones. I see a few gray hairs out there, um, even though I should have gray hair. Uh, but anyhow, um, uh, he said, just the influence. Just you older women, you've been through so much. Just be there. 
And I thought, wow, you know what? That really helped me because, you know, we don't have the energy. I mean, I've got eight great, we've got eight great grandchildren and we're with them. My word, you know, we have to go to bed practically the next day and recover because they've got so much energy, you know, eight all the way down to almost two. And, uh, but, uh, the influence, and you do, and the ch this church has had an influence on the body of Christ all over the world. I mean, because there's been different ones, and especially Pastor Chris, who's been overseas to China and to Africa and to all these places. So, you know, connect where you can connect. You know, don't be loners. The smile, the, you know, the reaching out, because the day in which we live in, because there's so much social media, you forget that there's, you know, people out there hurting. I mean, I hit them, you know, I, every day we live in a neighborhood where, you know, we, we, we just reach out and touch them. So thank you for honoring us today. We really love being here. We love this church. We've been, we haven't been here a whole lot, but the times we've been here, we really feel uh, connected to you. And we thank you uh, for the honor you give us today and for uh, allowing us to, to share and to just be who we are because we can't be anybody else. But, you know, wherever you go... Just be who you are, okay? That's my word for you. Amen. That's the way you do it. <clears throat> the anointing abides with you. And as you walk, it walks with you. It's not something you work up. It's something that abides with you. And if you abide in him, he abides in you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you in John's Gospel. Then in the same chapter he says, but I will send my spirit and I will be with you. So not only is he preparing a place for us, he's preparing us for that place. And together we are being prepared for that great eternity that is before us. Well, I bring you greetings from Africa. In the last six months I've been there twice. Uh, I went there for the 50th anniversary of our church uh, that we built 50, well the church was built 50 years ago. The church was begun earlier than that, and I just uh, uh, got out there. We had a big meetings, thousands of people. Uh, I'm going to speak this morning about defining your future yourself, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you to define what he has for you. My daughter's name is Marcia, and when she was four years old or so, we were in Africa, and my mother sent out a little... Uh, nurse's uniform, a little nurse's outfit, and we were way back 300 foot, we had no wa running water, outside toilets, everything was really in the bush country, and, uh, and the packages would arrive, and we'd wait and open it for Christmas for her, and uh, when she put that on, she said, uh, I, I'm going to be a nurse, four years old. Now, I don't know how old you are and your children are, but if you believe that God can speak to you, what God says to you, he will bring to pass. Everything in, uh, everything in this world will work against it. But if you still believe it, it will come to pass. In fact, there are things the Bible says that people believed that they didn't see. It didn't happen until after they died. It says that these, the last verses of Hebrews 11, that these died in faith believing that the promises that they had would be fulfilled even when they were not there. Because faith lives longer than you. Faith will outlive you. Three things outlive you. Paul said it's faith, hope, and love. They, they live longer than we live. And if we continue to build on those principles, they will guard the future for us and guard our heritage going forward. And so she's today... Uh, in that business, and she's teaching, and she's a nurse, she's a, a professor at the school there in uh, Florida, uh, Florida, NSU, FSU, Florida Southern University, University of Southern Florida, and uh, she teaches, uh, uh, she's with a PhD in teaching uh, nursing practices uh, for critical care. And so it's a very small area, but it all happened way back years ago when she stayed on it. Yes, went through a divorce, went, had children, continued to pursue on. If you just continue to believe and continue to lean into the thing that God has for you, you will see it come to pass. 
And if it doesn't happen in your life, you believe for someone else it will happen. It must because the Bible says that we see it by faith. And faith is the evidence of things what? Hope for and believe. So I want to speak to you this morning. Coming back from Africa as I did two times in six months, I was a little bit exhausted after that. And when I got back, I had arranged to go to New York City and we drove the next day when I got back up to New York City in a total rainstorm. And then I came back a week later and I said to Gloria, we're, we're just going to go horizontal. We have to, we have to recover. <coughs> we have to recover here. And I saw the church. I said all that to you to say that years ago, we had in our hearts to begin an, an indigenous church in Africa. A church that did not need America. It didn't need American money. It just needed God, and it needed the Holy Spirit. And so we worked on that. We were told that will not work. We were told by people that were even close to us that that's not how it works. You have to give money, and the money gets the evangelists, and the evangelists start the work. But we said, no, you know, after we were there a few years, and we decided together, we're not doing it that way. And uh, so we began to build on God's call on someone's life. Not because we gave them something, because they were responding to God. And when I went out there this time uh, in Nairobi, uh, there are, there are hundreds, uh, 125 or more churches in Nairobi, and all of them are, are absolutely strong. They, they never ask for money. They're just building. They're just going forward. Where other areas that were, were fed money earlier are not as strong. And so when you have a vision and you believe it's of God, hold steady to it because many things will try to shake your faith. <clears throat> and I want to give you a verse right here in Genesis, the story that I'm talking to you today about. I have three points to make to you on this story. I'm calling it Faith Defines Your Future. And I'm saying that because when you believe it, you begin to lean into it, and that will define where, we, where you go. Yes, things will blow you off target, but stay on target with faith to hold steady. In the, uh, uh, in the, in the, in the Word of God, I'm looking at thir chapter 35 of, of, uh, of Genesis, and, and there are some scriptures there. I can, we can put one up. Why don't we put the next scripture up there for us right there? It will be, why don't we bring the next slide up? If the slides are coming up there, I can talk about it here. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the promise. There is a promise that God makes. Now, if you read Genesis 35, verses 11 and 12, you will see in that section that these verses are promises given to Jacob. Now, if you read those verses, it says, and I will give you this, and, and I will give you that, and, and I will work with you, and, and I will lead you, and I will bless you and your nations. God's saying it to him right there in these verses, verses 11 and 12, when he's saying, and God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful, increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come uh, from your body. Uh, the land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I'll also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. And then God went up from him at a place where he had talked with him. Now, I want you to see something. That there is a promise here, and a promise is the ground on which you take your faith. You don't take it from a fancy, well, I have an idea. It doesn't come from an idea. It comes from a promise. And when you believe that God has promised to bless your family, you hold on to that promise. Even regardless of what you see, there are times, even in our house, the Lord said, I, no plague will come nigh your dwelling. We've said, Lord, we stand against every plague. When sometimes there's all kinds of things, we say we're standing because prayer is never more powerful than when it is standing on a promise. When it reaches in and takes a promise and it holds it up and you hang on to a prayer because it's based in a promise. And this promise is given to Abraham. And he said, I will bless you among the nations. And then it goes from Abraham. Not automatic. It wasn't automatic. God visited Isaac. And God said the same words to Isaac. Now it's Jacob's turn. Turn And now again, it, God says to Jacob in these verses, and I will bless you, and the nation will come from you. So in each generation, each generation must meet God itself, himself. It isn't that, well, we have it, we can just pass. No, it doesn't get, you need to have a God moment. 
Every generation needs a God moment when they receive the promise that He has given. And I will bless you. And I will use you. And we say to ourselves, well, well, has God really promised us anything? Well, what you have to do is look even at the, just the names of God. I am Jehovah, He said. I am Jehovah. I am the God. And we can use all of them. <coughs> I am the God that blesses you. I am the God that feeds you. I am Jehovah Jireh, the provider I am the, your righteousness. He has given us promise after promise. And, and, the word, and the word Jehovah followed through on. You will see it again and again in the Bible. It is God saying, I will do something for you. Well, you know, I, we look around and you look at TV and you look at all the problems in our nation and you look at what's happening in Israel and look what's happening in Syria, look what's happening in Iran. After a while you say, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, we're going to make it. I don't know if we're going to make it. Because it's all discouraging out there. I, unless, you, unless you're encouraged by it. I don't know how you get encouraged by that. But <clears throat> by looking at the news, there is discouragement on every side. And people are discouraged. People are wondering what's happening. They're encouraged with certain things, but other things, they're discouraged. But you see, believers are those who believe in God. The very word believer means you believe in something. And you believe in God. God is with us. Do you believe that? Wherever you are, God is with me. Young person, God is with me. I'm in school, God is with me. I'm taking an exam, God is with me. It's always God with me as I walk through this world. And so the promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that I will bless you and make a great nation out of you. And so that promise is there. Will it be tested? I want to show you how it gets tested. Because this promise must be tested in order to give us the character that we need to apprehend the thing that God wants to do in our life. And so it is that Jacob receives that promise. I'm reading still in the 35th chapter. There, of the section. Did we go to the next uh, slide there? Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, next, let's go to the next uh, verse. The next verse is there. Okay, okay, there, no, back up. That one right there. Back up the process again. Okay, there. So, once the promise is there, you must, you will be changed by the process. There is no one here that just became who you are without a process. Everything is process. Even on the communion, the grape is processed and the, and the bread is processed. Everything is processed that God does because he takes the raw material and produces something by that material. He puts his stamp upon it. And it says here that these, this Jacob had taken this promise, and it says that there he made a, uh, a, a pillar of stone and he laid down. And here it comes now. I'm looking at the next verses here. Give me the next verse and the process. Here it is for 35, 15. And they, now they is uh, Jacob and his wife, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there uh, was but a little way to come to Ephra. And uh, Rachel travailed, it says, she travailed, uh, in birth for a son. All right, then I'm going to read it from my, my translation as well. Uh, to begin, it says here, she began to give birth and she had great difficulty. Now the promise that was just given is being processed. And this process is going to cause pain. Regardless of how you see it. Because whatever God does, He's going to do it with human people, human beings like us, and he's going to express something manifold and beautiful, and, and the process is going to cause pain to us. Here is Rachel. She's very pregnant with, with a child, and, and now they're making their way down, and as they get closer to the, the land, the, 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 the destination, it says, and then they moved on. The next verses, I'm going on to the next verse. And they moved on, and they moved on from Bethel, 
uh, and when they came a distance, remember that she began to give birth, and as she was, was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't, don't be afraid, for you have another son. And as, as she breathed her last, for she was dying, and she named her son Benoni, but the father named him Benjamin. Now, I want to I take a moment with this because this is a, the important part of the message. That she was having difficulty, in fact, she died in childbirth. The difficulty was so much, uh, he, she died in that childbirth. Now, this woman had another child earlier than that. If you remember, his name was Joseph. The other children that Jacob had, he had with another wife called Leah, but Rachel only had one, and that was Joseph. And as a result of that, the other brothers became jealous of him, and they sold him into bondage and slavery. So she had no idea where her son was. In fact, she, she never knew, never knew what her son was. Even to her death, she didn't know, because he was gone to a far-off country, namely Egypt, and was a slave. So now here is another son. Now God had told Jacob, I am going to fulfill my promise. I'm going to fulfill my I am going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to make a great nation of you, and when I make this nation of you, you will be able to know right up front that it's me. I am doing it. It's not of your own doing. So here comes now the child that's going to be the, the progenitor of the next generation. And as the child is being born through much suffering, through death, she says, I, I, I want to call my son Benoni. And if you see it there on the overhead, you'll see it says, the son of my suffering. Listen to me. I find many people who live their life and they've defined their life by the hard moments, by the suffering. They've defined it by their bankruptcy or by their divorce or by their failure. Many people have said, done that and, and they feel that they got, as it were, uh, uh, some kind of a stamp on them that they are now rejected. And they go through life that way. Something happened to them that caused them to say, you know, just think now. Here comes this young man, this new, new baby being born, and, and, it's, and the mother is wanting to name that child after the process that she is going through. And that process is so difficult and so hard, ultimately leading to death, that she said, I want to call him Benoni. He's the son of my suffering. But in the other room is Jacob, and he hears that, and he yells out, oh, no, 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 no. No, Father, call, no, no, you're not naming him, you're not naming him Benoni. You're going to name him Benjamin, because Benjamin means the son of my right hand. Now, I want you to see this is very important because when you look at all the things you've gone through and you say, failure here, failure there, I'm just a failure. You are defining your life by the low moments. You're doing what you're doing what the Rachel wanted to do with this young man. Imagine that boy getting a, number, a name like Benoni. His mother is gone. They buried the mother. He grows up now. He's like, uh, he's 10 years old. And he walks around and someone says, Benoni? Hey, Benoni? And he thinks, uh, I am the reason for my mother's death. Are you there? I want you to see into the human part of this thing. You know, because of me, my mother died. Imagine going through life with that over your head. Jacob said, no, we're not going to identify our future by what we have been through, but what God has promised. God has promised to bless us. God has promised to pour out his spirit upon us. He said, I will never leave you. I will not forsake you. And even though the process 
has been difficult and the process has been long and you've died a thousand deaths in the process just like Joseph in his going on. He died many deaths in order to get to where he finally got to. But Benoni was not the name that Jacob wanted for his son to, to identify the future with. He wanted a son that would say, he's, all, he's my beloved son. He's in my right hand. I think that as we sit here and we praise God and we, we see how beautiful Jesus is, somehow we've got to allow that, that light of God to penetrate through our doubts and the fears that we sang about this morning, things that we must break through, because what causes it really is that we identify ourselves by the failures that we've had. Well, I fail there, I fail there, and I know that when that woman sat at the well, failure, 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 five times. And she said, I know you've had failures. But he said, you don't know who's standing in front of you right now. If you ask the water that I would give you, you will never thirst again. And the issue is this, that as we go through life and we look somehow for, for, for a, a spark, we look for something to hang on to, a thread to hang on to, something positive, it's not in the world. I'm, 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 I'm telling you right now from my experience, it's not in the world. It is in God. I believe God. No matter what happens. Whether it be for, like I said, in the, in the, you saw what God helped us to do up at the school and building, we believe God. If he says it, we are going to do it. We are, fat, we are faced with big challenges in New York City, big challenges, but we're seeing some victories along the way, but we still have some major challenges. <coughs> These are not little challenges, but we will win. We must win. We cannot lose. God is with us. You hear that? With that, you have to stay clear because anything around you will drive you down. You think you can do that? You mean you think you can be in... I know I can do it. I know I can do it because God is with me. I'm not, put, I'm not just picking some little dream out of the clouds, some little pipe dream. I'm going to do... No, because children, they want to be a fireman one day and a policeman the next day. But when you get over that period, what is it that's in your heart that God placed in your heart to teach, to be a nurse, to be a minister, to be some, uh, a lawyer, whatever it is God has placed in your heart, that's what he will help you do. The issue is laying hold of it. And laying hold of it is not lifting yourself up, it's hanging on to a promise that he gave. And you can say, well, no, I'm just Benoni, that's it. I'm, a, I'm just one of those Benoni people. I'm from the tribe of Benoni. There ain't no such tribe. It's only the tribe of Benjamin. I want you to see this, this is the truth. And when I see people, I say, well, I go to a meeting somewhere and I get all hyped up and everything. If you don't deal with this, the hype will come back down. When you go to the mountain and your face shines, you become a radiant, I have news for you. Unless you're tapped into abiding in Christ, that glory will fade from your face like the glory of Moses' face. It's holding on to him. I believe you. Some of you have children, grandchildren, that you're saying, I want to raise them. They're not, they're not, they're not where I would like to see them right now. And looks like I, 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 I somehow, maybe I, I didn't raise them right, or I didn't, excuse me, please don't identify your future by Benoni. Identify with Benjamin and say, that child, that son of mine that's wayward right now, I am believing. I am still believing because I stand on the promise that he is Benjamin, the son of my right hand. I still believe. And there are people where there's difficulty. And we are facing a big crisis all across. I know five pastors who lost their sons through opioids. We are facing huge problems. But I'm asking you right now to say, now I take a step 
and I call my future by faith. I don't call it by failure. I call it by faith. Faith that God will do what I have not even been able to do. That God will do it because this is what God has called me to. The process can cause a lot of pain, and the pain can cause us to doubt the promise. But the promise is still the promise. Hang on to the promise and believe. So the first thing is that there's a promise. And it's on those words that I have, by the grace of God, been able to reach and, and see miracles happen. Change, see great things happen. Not because of me, but he gave us the promise and we believed it, and it's all his. And then there's the process. And it seems to me, for some reason, we're, we're never out of the process. That, that process is like going in a, you know, meat grinder. Little by little, God produces in us what he wants in us. But I'm asking you, will you define your life by the meat grinder? Will you define yourself by a failure that happened X amount of years? Well, I, well, you know, I did something and, I, and, uh, and this happened. Well, all of these things the enemy uses and, 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 we, and we, in our unbelief, would lean in into what he says rather than by faith take what God said. God said to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you. Okay, Lord, I'm here. I know I flunked a few times. I failed a lot of courses. My daughter was taking a course in the at the Monroe community uh, there when she first got out of high school and she was going to be a nurse and she and I went up to Monroe and uh, I said to the people, I want to see your nursing program. So they had a catalog, but they wouldn't let us have the catalog. So we don't have any more catalog. I said, okay, could you copy that page that says nurse program, nursing program, just that page. Oh, we can do that. I gave her that paper. I said, honey, you take Anything on that page, nothing else. Don't take basket weaving, don't take anything. Just take on that page, and you will finish. So she came home from school one day, and she was crying, and she said, you know, Dad, I, 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 I failed chemistry. Now, you know, in, in nursing, it uh, might be good to know chemistry. You know, it might be a good thing. Uh, if I was a parent, I would say, you see, see you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. That spirit. I know that spirit. I've dealt with many young people. That's all they know. See, you're a failure. I try to tell you that. I said, well, listen to me, honey. I said, that, 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 that F, that F on it, you'll have to take it again. And, and you'll take it again, and you maybe you'll get a C the next time. Don't worry about it. I said, because when you stand by the side of a bed where a person is sick and dying, they're not going to ask you, what you got in chemistry. It makes no difference. Faith. Faith to believe. Faith to rise up above every F you ever got. Because he says you are Benjamin. I know the process says you are Benoni. But you are Benjamin. So you ask, how does this whole story work out at the end? to bring it to a close. Well, you have to then ask yourself, if in fact, if in fact they were Benoni, uh, Benoni is no, not there, they, actually they buried, the next few verses they buried uh, Rachel, and, uh, and, 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 and life went on, and life went on. And we have the tribe of Benjamin, not the tribe of Benoni. I want you to see something. That when faith operates, it sees beyond the future. Can you lay hold with me today? This is how I, 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 live, I live my life. I got, I mean, like I know I'm, I'm trying to do a little exercise so I can, you know, these planes fly, you know, like it's 20 hours to get to the place. I flew in on Tuesday night and I preached Wednesday and Thursday. And then I organized things on Friday and Saturday, and I instilled the new pastor of the church right there, and then I flew home. I said, now, Lord, I have to slow this down somehow. But unless you believe it and you reach for it, you'll never attain it. 
Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So what happened to this prayer, this promise that was given to Abraham? He produced Isaac. Isaac produced Jacob. Jacob got it. Did it all? Did it all crash? I don't hear Abraham. There's no more Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then who? No, that, that was it. And it was the tribes. I want you to make reference to two things. If you, if you go to 1 Samuel, and chapter 9 and verse, verse 21, you will see that long after Jacob is dead, Rachel has long gone, Abraham's nowhere around, they're all gone. It says there that God decided to give a king to Israel. First king of Israel. And if that verse, we can put it up there, there it is. And, uh, and here it is right there. This is the Samuel one. And Saul answered, this is King Saul, right here, going in, in, in way. And he said, I am not, I, am I not of, uh, no, this is, oh, excuse me, this is wrong. One second. Give me the next one. Okay, so, no. no. They're, they're, okay, go back to the other one. Yeah. Okay. Saul answered and said, am I not a Benjaminite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? That's right. Mm -hmm. Saul, King Saul, leader of all of Israel, from the little tribe of Benjamin. You know why? Because he was a fulfillment of the promise to his great-grandfather, his grandfather, and his father. Why? None of them were alive. But King Saul led Israel, the first king of Israel, pulled it all together. Old Testament, go to the New Testament, the next verse. Amazing thing about this is that both of these people are called Saul. If anyone else thinks, this is Paul, but he, at that time he was called Saul. If anyone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and a Hebrew of the Hebrews, Philippians 3, 4, and 5. We have Old Testament King Saul and New Testament Saul who became Paul. These two people basically are outstanding people in the whole Bible. And they came not from the tribe of Benoni, but from the tribe of Benjamin. And they're acknowledging it themselves. I am from that little tribe of Benjamin. See, the key is not how big your tribe is. It's not how much money you have, how big your church is. You know, because there are huge churches that are all just doing good things and we bless them all. It's how deep is your faith? And are you believing that what God has spoken to you? Sometimes the church might say we are looking at doing a missions trip. Oh, can't do that. I can't do that. That's impossible. Why? I have no money. Why should you, why should you limit yourself to what you can see when God has resources that you know nothing about. Can you hear what I'm saying? This is what God wants to do. Here in this whole area right here, where you've been for these years, this is what God, God wants to have a, have a body of people that believe him regardless of what's happening. And they are expressing faith. They're expressing the strength that comes through God. It's not just positive thinking. We are, we are laying hold of a positive Jesus. And there is where our faith is found. So I give to you today this, this whole message, which is very clear. And that is that some of the things that we, we believe, well, well did, did Abraham see the fulfillment of his... He didn't see it. 
Did Isaac? No, he didn't see the fulfillment. Did Jacob? Well, he began to see it because he had many sons. But when I saw that the first king of Israel and the man who wrote over half the New Testament were from the tribe of Benjamin, you've got to realize that they were the son of my right hand. That's where they came from. And as you're raising your families, and as you're speaking faith to your grandchildren, you're saying you're going to do this and believe with it. It's okay. You can make this. You can believe it. In fact, right today, um, my grandson's, my grandson's wife is taking her, her test. Is it today or tomorrow? I think it's today or tomorrow. A dissertation. She's, she's got to give, she got uh, to defend her dissertation for her doctorate in, uh, uh, a doctorate in uh, clinical psychology in Florida. See, people, she always had that in her mind. And it's taken so much, it's, it's been beaten down, but she keeps on reaching out, reaching out for it. And you can do the same. Because we are not the children of Benoni, we are the children of Benjamin. And we shall see generations after us rise up and, and, and worship God in a way that this world has never seen. We say, well, well we, 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 we're, we're not big. We're not, it's not, does not, has no, it has nothing. In fact, that's why these brothers, whether it was uh, Paul or the others, they were saying, you know, the, I'm from that little tribe, that little tribe of Benjamin. So I ask you today, whatever little tribe you came from, if the name is Benjamin, you are a child of the right hand. You're not, you're not a second thought. You're not, you're not given to, to, uh, to doubt. And it's promises that God has given you. And whether it's the Apostle Paul or whether it's uh, Saul, the promises that are given to you are his promises to you and he will fulfill them to you. And I just want you to bow your head with me right now as we continue to just wait on the Lord for a few moments in, in just taking these thoughts and, and making them clear as the Holy Spirit videotapes them through our brain. Uh, fast forward. First, let me ask you while your head is bowed, what's the promise? What's the promise? Well, I can tell you all through the Bible, I will bless you. I will never leave you. These are not just story books. This, these are promises upon which your life can be grounded. I will never leave you. I am the Lord that heals you. I don't know what promise you need this morning, but it's not my word. It's the word of God that makes the difference. The word of God makes the difference in your life. Which promise do you need? And I will bless you, he said, even to future generations. My thoughts of you are good and not evil. In other words, God has promises available. Which one are you taking? Don't be general about it. Don't take it, well, lots of... No, I want you to say, Lord, I'm, I'm taking this for my husband, my wife, my children, my, my business, for the church. I'm taking a promise today. Don't make it up. Let, let it find its roots in the Word of God. That's where promises are, are, are clear. Whatever it is right now. And now I want you just to think for a moment that that promise which you had about whether it be getting married or being happy or getting... Uh, uh, having children or, or a business or all of these things or being used in ministry one way or another. They have gone through the process. It was the process that Joseph went through that enabled him to say when he saw his brothers, you meant it, the devil meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's a process. We're not born like that. 
I ask you to say that the process, which might be hard, has been hard and difficult. I'm asking you today not to identify your future by failure, but by faith. Whatever the failure has been, it's, it's no problem to God. Faith rises above it. And then finally, by faith right now, to see your future, whether it be your children, your business, whatever it is that you see going forward, even after you're gone. Like I said, Hebrews says that these all, all these people of powerful faith, <coughs> powerful faith in Hebrews 11, they were powerhouses. They were the heroes. But some of them did not see what they believed for. They didn't see it. But they died in faith, and the faith Though they died, their faith still lived. And as you see with Saul in the Old Testament and Saul in the New Testament, when those men died, they never saw it, but their faith was alive to bring it about. Now, Lord, I pray for this church, for each one that's here today. We've spoken your word of faith. Faith is what lays claim to promises that are, that are deep in the earth. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we break every rock and every hindrance that's in the way. I ask, Lord Jesus, and while you're here, you would just stand with me right now and you would say, I, I receive this word. I receive this word in my life. And I, and I will believe God that my future will be identified not by failure, but will be identified by the faith that I'm exercising and have ex even now. In the name of Jesus, I want to release to you that faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, who said to us that we do not have to live by our faith, but we can live by the faith of the Son of God. And so in this service today, we commit this body that has been here building a solid network, doing works of kindness and deeds. I pray that works of faith will multiply. They will multiply. And families that we've reached out to and sown a seed to will begin to respond. Our faith drives past their house. And we said we see them. We see them coming to Christ. We see the job already done. We see them bowing before the cross. We see our children that have wandered out there. Even though we've tried to give them a Christian background, they have been tempted to one side. But in the name of the Lord, we claim them. We lay hold of them right now. And they say they shall not go. We have claims on them in the name of Jesus. And so our faith today, Lord, is right in you. We don't have faith in what they're doing or in the government. We have faith in you. And I ask you today in this service to renew our faith that we will see our future through the eyes of Benjamin and not through the eyes of Benoni. I ask you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Great word that our identity is in him, not in our past failings or our issues of life, but in him. Amen? Amen. And that his promise is true. Uh, I talk to people, and there are some folks today who have told me, we've come across new information. We, we have discovered things that were never known in previous generations, that the Bible is errant. It's got problems. God is just a construct of the mind. But I have to tell you, that's hard for me because I've encountered him. I have met him. And when you have received something from his hand, yeah. it changes you forever. That's what this is about. So would you bow your heads as we commit our hearts and lives. Father, in the name of Christ, we know that there are going to be things that will come seemingly against us. But even those you can use for good.
Even those things within the process that feel so hard, feel so death-making. Yet at the same time, you use those to bring forth resurrection life. And so, Lord, today we believe and hold to your promise that you have said, I will bless you and I will make you great among the nations. So that even though the first king who failed in the tribe of Benjamin, by the time we get to Saul of the New Testament, we get to Paul, he says with pride, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I'm the Father's right hand. And so, Father, today we receive that with gratitude in our hearts that you have called us your own, not because of who we were, but because of what you put into us. You have made us after your image that we might be like our Father who is in heaven. So, Father, we receive it today. We hold on to your promise that that which you have declared, you will fulfill. You will bring it to pass. And give us in our own hearts, Lord, a, a, a word of unction, a, a faith to believe all that you have said and to hold on. Even though there might be things that seem against it, we're going to hold on by faith to what you have promised. We bless each one here today, Father, and we believe that you are going to do amazing things as we touch our neighbors, our families, as we touch this community, and as we touch the world, that you're going to use us for your glory. We believe it, Father, in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Amen.